And where I am um, heading this morning, I found it interesting that we had the swirl of love and it was presented as a weapon of love. A couple of weeks ago, we had the weapon of thanksgiving. Well, the Lord told me to entitle today's message, Choose Joy, a Surprise Weapon of Mass Destruction. And it's interesting because the only way this message is put together is just totally scripture. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture today and make some comments, but it is an amazing reality of how much God talks about joy in the word. It's there all over the place. So I've kind of put it together and we're just going to go on a journey of joy because how many of you recognize we need more joy? And here's, I want to start with this first statement. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is an emotion based on circumstances. Happiness can fluctuate. It can go up and down and go sideways. It can have all kinds of expressions based on how you are perceiving the circumstances around you. And notice I said how you're perceiving circumstances. Because we can perceive circumstances through our pain, our trauma, our judgments, our, our, the way we want things to be. And if they don't measure up to the way things are the way we want them to be, then we can turn around and have the mully grubs because it's not the way I wanted that can affect your happiness, and if we allow it to, it can affect our joy. But joy is that state of existence that is found in the Lord that is unshakable. Say, joy unshakable, full of glory. We will get there, okay? That's where we have to determine. That's why the title, Choose Joy. You have to choose to walk in joy. That went over like a... <laughs> Y'all love that one, right? We want to have joy that's in response. And God says, no, choose joy. Choose it. So number one, joy is found in the presence of the Lord and in the word of the Lord. Psalm 1611 in the New American Standard says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. If in his presence there's fullness of joy, what is the key to choosing joy? Get into his presence and stay there. Quit running in and out. Come on, because that's what we do. We go, well, I've gone into the presence of the Lord. I've had my morning devotion. And then I'm out and I'm in the middle of the world and I forgot. Oh, he's supposed to go with me. And I'm supposed to go where he goes. And stay in his presence. 
His presence is not relegated to coming to a service on Sunday morning. His presence is not relegated to your quiet time. His presence goes with you wherever you go. We have to be attuned to his presence. He's with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. The problem is not him, it's us. We get our our thoughts, our minds, our focus on everything but, and he's like, whoo-hoo, come here. Settle. Focus. Remember, I'm in you. And greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. So no matter the crazy that's out here, and there's plenty of crazy, right? When you know you have the presence of God, you can walk in joy. So don't go fluctuating in and out. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17. I love this passage. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with? He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That word rejoice there means he twirls around. Like he dances over you with joy. That's how much our God loves you. If we ever get how much joy he has over you, you won't be able to help but come into joy over him. It'll change your mindset because most of us have not had people that rejoiced over us most of our lives. True? Anybody else had that experience? I mean, it's, they rejoice over you based on your behavior. And God just rejoices over you because you're his. He doesn't withdraw his rejoicing over you because you did something bad. Now that flies in the face of religious spirits. And I saw a couple of them scream in the room. He he rejoices over you. It's his rejoicing that woos you into his presence. Because who wants to go hang out with a God who's grumpy? Who wants to go hang out with a God who's got a mallet ready to bump you on the head every time you think something wrong? He's like, no, my joy, my love, my my peace will draw you to me. And then you won't even want to go there. Do you know part of the problem with the world not wanting to come to Jesus? If we have presented a Jesus, that's a grump. Is that not the truth? And he's like, I am full of joy. I love the pictures that artists have done depicting Jesus laughing and full of joy. We need to take on his demeanor. We're supposed to be like him. So we need to take on his demeanor. We don't need to be looking down our nose at people and being grumpy and being all this. Well, if you just knew what I know, then you would act right. I... Get over it. Release some love and joy. Begin to dance over some folks. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words came, became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. 
For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Eat the word until they taste like joy to you. Eat the word until they bubble up on the inside of you as an expression of joy. Because see, as the word of God gets on the inside of you, you get fashioned and formed by the word of God and you begin to release the very character and nature of God and it is joyful. Without God, there's joy, there's sorrows, immense sorrows, but in God, there's joy and life forevermore. John 15, 10 and 11 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, let me break this down a little bit from a religious mindset. You ready? Our focus has been on, I command you. And commandments never feel good. Who likes to be commanded what to do? I'm talking in our culture, nobody likes to be told what to do, right? But God's commandments are his expression of love. They're not just trying to get you to jump through hoops. They're not trying just to get you to measure up. He's saying, I'm telling you, these are the things that if you will do these things, your life's going to be full of joy. It's not about trying to make people measure up. It's about commandments that lead you into love and joy. What a difference of perspective. He says, I give you these commandments because in them are the keys that will bring you to life more abundant and full of joy. Amen. Amen. See, we've, we've been focused on the commanding part. And are you obeying? Did you obey everything? Is it possible? I love the honesty. Woo! It's a great policy. But see, Jesus is saying to us, I'm giving these to you because they're for your good. They're not to be restrictions on you. They're actually keys of liberation. Am I the only one that ever thought of commandments as being restrictive? Y'all are kind of looking at me like... But he's like, no. I have a, a Messianic rabbi friend who, who used to say to me, if you Gentiles would just understand that the Ten Commandments are his ten loves. Because we have a different view of commandment. And he's, he's saying, no, keep my commandments. Keep what I've said to you. Keep the things that I told you that would protect you, the things I told you that would take you on a path of blessing. It's not to be restrictive and rules and do's and don'ts. I grew up with the do's and don'ts. They didn't make me happy. And they did not produce a lot of joy in my life. But the commandments, the loves of God produces joy.
He said, I give these to you so that my joy in you will be complete and will be full. But see, joy is a determined action. We have to determine that we're going to be joyful. See, Jesus gives us the pathway. Through the word, he says, get in my presence, get in my word, do what, I, do what my word says. If you'll follow my commandments, you'll be filled with joy. But then we have to determine that we're going to, that we're going to be joyful. In Philippians 4, 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. In the Passion Translation, I love this. It says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. How many of you have ever had seasons of life when joy would not be the natural response? And what does Paul say? In every season, rejoice. Now, what that says to me is that there are some times when the circumstances around you are going to be the antithesis of being joyful. And Paul is saying, I see, I know, I didn't forget. It's a mess. Rejoice. That's when joy becomes a weapon. Because see, when the enemy is coming at you in every measure, when the world is everything other than the kingdom of God, welcome to 2023, right? It could take us into a place of wringing our hands and being hard and being judgmental and being harsh with people. It could take us into all kinds of things to try to convince people, you need to get it right. And God's like, if you'll just take my joy, they'll get jealous for what's in you. And they will want to know, how is it that you're in so much joy? How is it that in the midst of all of this crazy, you're still operating with joy unspeakable and you're full of glory? See, it's a weapon. It's not that we're denying what's going. We're just choosing to respond in a different way. That's why it's a choice. What if we as believers decided... To respond with joy. To be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. You could overthrow the devil's attacks on you. Because what he's wanting to do is get you down on his level. Get you into a place of defeat. Get you into a place. He does this. He, he's a mastermind. The only reason I can share these things is because he's trapped me around the ankles and pulled me down more than once. And I had to learn that that doesn't solve anything. 
In fact, the victory never comes until I find myself in his presence, allowing his presence and his word to so fill me up that joy becomes the response, not the reaction of like spirit to what's in the world around me. Because that's what the enemy's trying to do. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 17, it says, We appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground. Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. Resist revenge and make sure that no one pays back evil in place of evil, but always pursue doing what is beautiful to one another and to all unbelievers. Let joy be your continual feast. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer and in the midst of everything, there it is again, everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Can I point out to you that in those first few verses is exactly what usually takes us out of joy. People out of position. If you're in the kingdom and you're in the ecclesia and you're moving, can I just be real? It gets irritating when people are not in their position. I mean, you look out across this country right now and the number of people who don't even realize there's a war going on I could get real irritated <laughs> and I could go into anything but joy it would be easy but he says when that's happening instruct them do it with gentleness encourage them a lot of people aren't in it because they don't feel adequate. Be faithful to stand your ground just because others are not. You stay in your place, but do it with joy. Sometimes we have to fight for people who don't have the strength to fight for themselves. And we've got to do it without an attitude. Come on. The only attitude we're allowed to have when we're fighting for others to come in is the attitude of joy. It's really the only attitude we're allowed. If this message is making you go, ouch, hallelujah, you're sharing the seat with me. See, let your joy, let joy be your continual feast. Feast on joy. Celebrate in joy. Love in joy. Number three, when trials and temptations come, rejoice. Consider it all joy is what James 1 verses 2 and 4 says. It says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen to it in the Passion Translation. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, 
Anybody feel that way? When you're facing nothing but difficulty, see to it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection or maturity into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That's powerful. See, when we're going through difficulties, the last thing most of us want to do is consider it joy. But we have to train ourselves that when difficulties come, that we determine, I'm going to count this as joy. Because God is working something in the midst of this difficulty that will produce a life that is to his glory. Because see, when your faith is tested and your faith comes into a strength of endurance and your endurance perseveres and you become more and more mature in your walk in the Lord, the reflection of your life brings glory to the king. When we are up and down and waffling all over the place because we're up one minute and down the next minute, people go, I thought they served the God of all the universe. Come on. And the Lord's saying, when you're going through these things, it's not that he's causing them, but he is allowing them. Because he sees something that's on the inside of us that is not yet as strong as he needs it to be for us to keep going with joy. Then we end up complaining at God and saying, God, why don't you fix it? And he's like, if you put on some joy, you'd walk and skate right through this thing. And I just want to tell you, I'm not speaking this stuff out of theory. I've had to learn it. It's not been easy. But joy is a, is a surprise weapon to overthrow the enemy. The joy of the Lord will take you through when you feel like you're getting pelted on every single side. When you embrace the joy of the Lord, all of a sudden all those pelts don't hit you the same way. Number one, they just don't hit the same way. Because your focus isn't on what's coming at you, your focus is on Him. Then there is a strength that comes on the inside that when you get pelted with an, a, what feels like an attack and you feel like, I can't do one more thing, all of a sudden you're like, Lord, I'm choosing to count it all joy. Because no matter what this test and trial is, it's nothing compared to what you went through for me. It's nothing. And Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured what? The cross. And the shame of the cross. <coughs> He's working endurance in us. I have one. Pardon me. 
Habakkuk 3, 15 through 19 says this. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries won't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns are empty, that's a pretty bad scenario, isn't it? I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. Counting on God's rule to prevail, I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like, oh, thank you. I feel like I'm a king. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. How about that? There's no food. There's no livestock. The fruit's not ripening. The fields are done. The bank account's empty. There seems to be no hope in your future. Habakkuk says, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. Why? Because I'm counting on God's rule to prevail. Is he king of kings or not? Is he the victorious God or not? Take heart. Gain strength. Run like a deer. Feel like you're the king of the mountain. I love it. It's not quite as dramatic in the New American Standard. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though a flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet. He makes me walk on high places. No matter what you're going through, remember he is your strength. He gives you the ability to walk on craggy hills on the edge of the side of a mountain. He enables you to walk through places you would never imagine you could walk through. And he always prevails. Therefore, rejoice. Which leads us to the next point, which is knowing the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your strength is not in you. You have none. The sooner we realize we don't have any, the sooner we can move into his. But we get blocked of moving into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, because we try to do it ourselves. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said to me, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah was not in a good place at this point. They were surrounded by enemies trying to convince them they could not do the work that God had called them to do. 
And God says, Nehemiah then says, at God's prompting, go have a feast. Go throw a party. Sometimes we just need to throw a party. In the midst of the enemy's attacks, we need to throw a party. Have a celebration fest. Because we're not celebrating in what's on the earth. We're celebrating in who, what, who our God is and what he says. What his promises are. Amen. That we celebrate and we pray from his promises, not for his promises. Change your perspective. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. It is indeed. And then Psalm 126 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seeds, shall indeed come again with shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. See, we, we cry out not in a sorrow because our God isn't victorious. We cry out for those who do not yet know him. That's what this is all about. It's weeping over the harvest that isn't being brought in. It's weeping over a nation that does not see yet that the Lord our God is their God. We weep in our intercession, but we do it with the joy that God's word is true and his promises are yes and amen, and he never, ever fails. And there's a promise in this that as we cry in our intercession and we sow seeds into the spirit realm and we sow seeds into people's lives and we believe for the day of breakthrough that the day comes when we get to rejoice with shouts of celebration. And don't get disheartened when it doesn't happen yesterday. Part of what happens with us as believers is we pray something for a day or two, maybe a week or two, and it doesn't happen as quick as we want it, and we get discouraged, and we let go of joy, and then we end up postponing the joy God wants to give us. Because instead of staying in faith, in the endurance of faith and hope and love and joy, we get into agreeing with the devil saying, there's no hope, nothing's happening, you might as well just quit. Come on. And the word of God says, my joy is your strength to endure and you will reap in joy if you'll keep going. Yes. Keep going, keep praying, don't give up. Though it looks impossible, don't give up. Choose joy. Next one is incompetent assurance of faith in God's goodness, grace, and power. We need an explosion on the inside of us of confident assurance. Do we really believe that God is who he says he is and that he does what he says he'll do and that his joy is more than enough? I've referenced this verse a couple of times already because it kept coming up to me the whole time I was preparing. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. I'm going to read it in the King James 
because this is a phrase we are all familiar with. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, and that the trial of your faith, trial of your faith, anybody in a trial of faith? I think we all are at times. Being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Listen to it in the message. I know how, I know how great this makes you feel. Even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Anybody putting up with aggravation? Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Look forward with joy. Look forward with laughter. Look forward with singing. When the weightiness gets to you, and it gets to all of us. I mean, come on. It gets to everybody. The antidote for the heaviness is joy, laughter, and singing. Pump up your praise music a little louder. Go do something that makes you laugh. If you got grandkids, get your grandkids and let them build a space fort in your sunroom. I mean, you know, you'll laugh. Do something that brings the joy and the laughter up. The proverb says that laughter is a good medicine. God knew what he was talking about when he put it there. Sometimes we have to choose joy, choose laughter. Listen to the same passage in the Passion Translation. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. Even though lately you've had to put up with the, gr with the grief of many trials, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Which is far more valuable than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. You love him passionately, although you've not seen him. But through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime, and immersed in glory. I want you to say this. I am saturated with ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime, and immersed 
in glory. What if you decreed that over yourself every day? I guarantee you it will change the way you think. Change the way you see your life. It will change the way you see things around you. Because this is reality. This is who you are. You are saturated. I love that word. Saturated. Totally sopping wet, saturated. Can't get it wrung out. Because every time it gets wrung out a little bit, guess what? It keeps pouring in. And when you're saturated from on high, there's no way you can wring it out enough to get dry. That's who we are. Because that's who God says we are. See, our joy doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes in spite of our circumstances. Because it comes from the God of hope. And it's a part of the kingdom of God. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until what? Radiate with hope. Do you see it starts with the God who is the fountain of hope. Fills you to overflowing with uncontainable joy. Until you radiate with hope. See it goes from God the fountain of hope. To you being filled with joy. Then you become the radiation of hope to a lost and dying world. Do you see the bridge in there is joy. The God of hope fill us with all joy. Uncontainable joy. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of Holy Spirit filled with righteousness, Peace and joy. When we're in the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy are the character, nature, and the authority. It is the very environment of the kingdom. You start looking at natural kingdoms and there's cultural identifiers. I mean, there's different parts even of our society that you could look out and go, it has this character. Right? Some areas of a city are depressed. Some areas of a city are opulent. Some areas of a city are filled with violence. Some areas of the city are fill in the blank. But see, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not moving about by everything on the natural. So wherever you are, do you know what you're to be bringing? Because it's who you are. So wherever you are, the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God is above every other kingdom. Therefore, those other kingdoms should be bowing to the kingdom of God in you. That's not by the arm of the flesh. That's by a spiritual dimension that changes an atmosphere. Yeah. 
I believe in this next year, God is going to be training us how to take what's on the inside of us and affect the atmosphere around us. So that their conflict tries to come close. It gets squashed, not because we say something, but because the atmosphere of righteousness, peace and joy is so strong, it can't enter. We once, once time had somebody that was trying to come into a service and they could not come through the door. Literally, they walk up to the door. And they couldn't come in. Why? Because the presence of righteousness, peace, and joy, and the power of God was so there, they couldn't come in because they had evil intent. They couldn't come in. Why shouldn't our homes be that way? Why shouldn't our homes be that way? This place is going to be that way. I mean, we've got the security system and all, but you know what? I'm more interested in the security system of righteousness, peace, and joy and the angelic host that comes along because security systems and the natural fail. They're the backup. I'm trying to get y'all moving in joy. And I'm going to close with this one because as I was reading through verses on joy, and I got to this passage. And this was Paul writing to the Thessalonians. And he's telling them how much he takes joy in those who are with him in the faith. First Thessalonians 2, 19-20 in the New American Standard says, For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. For you are our glory and joy. Listen to it in the Passion. For what will be our confident hope, our exhilarating joy, or our wonderful trophy that we will boast in before our Lord Jesus at his appearing? It is you. Yes, you are our glorious pride and joy. I want to say this as your leader. You are my joy and my glory. When I see how you love each other, when I see how you follow hard after the Lord, when I see how you allow God to work in you day after day, week after week, month after month, to do what he needs to do in you so that he is doing what he desires to do through you, that brings me great joy. When I see your, your patience and your perseverance in the things of the Lord, when I see you embracing joy rather than sorrow. That's a gift. See, I, I believe God looks at us as we stay steadfast in our pursuit, and he goes, ha, they bring me joy. 
They bring me joy. We want to be a people that bring the Lord joy, but that we also bring each other joy. You bring me joy. Thanksgiving, my heart was filled with joy for you. So I want you to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for all of us because I'm praying for myself too. Because you know that we have to choose joy. And as we choose joy, remember joy is a surprise weapon of mass destruction. When the enemy is trying to beat you down, if you will learn to respond with joy and not in this like manner that the enemy's coming at you, you will send the enemy fleeing. He'll go, well, I better not touch them that way again because they're just going to give me joy and joy gives me a headache. I want to give the devil a bunch of headaches. Okay? So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the healing of trauma that you released today. I thank you for the weapon of love that you released during worship. Father, I say right now in the name of Jesus, place within all of your people this surprise weapon of mass destruction of joy unspeakable, full of glory. Father, let the joy of the Lord rise within your people. Let it rise up. Let there be joy and laughter in their rides home. Let there be joy and laughter within their homes. Let there be joy and laughter in the face of every trial, every tribulation, every test, every opposition. Let the joy of the Lord come forth. Father, let the joy of the Lord come forth. It sends the enemy scattering seven ways that there will be an explosion of joy that the enemy will will run and hide because he knows there's a people that have been filled with the joy of the Lord that he cannot defeat, that every attack only works to produce a greater strength of endurance within us, that we will move forward as an army of joy filled with love and overflowing with thankfulness to advance against the enemy that always seeks to destroy to bring calamity, to bring sadness and sorrow, to bring death and destruction. We say no in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength and we will advance in righteousness, peace, and joy in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you Tuesday night.